And you know what's funny is I work for the government. That's the most funny and ironic thing this week is, and I'm actually pretty high up in government where I work. I meet pretty much weekly with the mayor, different people that are involved in the government, uh, council people. But it's like, you know what? I, I'm not bothered one little bit by what the enemy's trying to do. I'm not. Because I know what the Bible says about my God, and I know what Jesus already did. Amen. Come on. You excited about that? Jesus went down to hell when he died on the, on the cross and took and bore our sins so that we can sit here today and live in victory, not in defeat. Yeah, I, I look at things totally different than probably most people, but that's what's gotten me to this point in my life. I walk and walk in the anointing that God has called upon me, not just in my Christian walk, but also in my natural walk. I go after things. I set goals. I see what God has given me. And you know what? I'll be honest. I feel sometimes I'm a cut above, and there's no shame in saying that. I'm a cut above mediocrity. And that, unfortunately, is where the church has been in a long time. This is, this is awesome. I feel so excited and preach. And I might get to my notes. I might not. But what's funny is, is you know, me and Aaron, we met for coffee. Aaron will wave your hand real high. proud. We, we love coffee. We just do. And the stronger, the thicker, the browner, the blacker, the better. It's like we have found new ways. We're in coffee shops are doing this, but they're finding new ways to make it stronger. And, and I just bless God for showing me these things in, in the end days. That coffee can make your eyes, like, bug out. So we're, we're enjoying a thick cup of coffee the other morning. And Aaron... You know, it's a, it's a shop we frequently visit together. He looks at the lady behind the counter and says, hey, how are you doing? And like, I was like, man, I thought, do you know her? You know, if you knew her, we haven't been getting hooked up here. You know, what's going on? You know, we're, we're having to ask for coffee. We should go in there and they should know what we want. And I was like, do you know her? He's like, yeah, I was in here yesterday and she, her back was hurt. So I said, well, let me pray for you. And she was healed. It's what is going to win. That's what's going to make us feel like winners. Because if you don't actively seek out opportunities to show God's love, truly it's a manifestation of God's love is what we can do as Christians. Or we can sit and grumble and be the church that most people think we are. Most people look at the church and like, hey, they're going to... And I was, what's, one of, what's funny is Kenny was in here talking I recently got to go, and, and here's the thing is, God is setting me up for I don't even know what. I got chosen out of many other fire chiefs across the country to go with 20 of them selected to go to Washington, D.C. to represent us here in Ohio and meet with the who's who of the fire service and politicians. And one of the things we did was a, a midnight tour of Washington, D.C. as a leadership group. Picked five different monuments, and each one we would talk about the different leaders that we visited. One of them was the Martin Luther King Memorial. If you have not seen that, it is awesome. Especially at night, it's right beside the Potomac there. It's set, and it's a stone. One of his speeches where he was talking about a stone that was cast from a stone. And that's what he is. He's a, this a big piece of a stone that's set from a bigger piece of stone, and he's carved in that stone. But then along that are two long walls on each side, and it has a lot of the excerpts from his speeches throughout the time that he's alive. And I'll never forget, and I took a picture of one, and I posted it to social media because I, I'm selective on what I put on social media, number one. You should be, too. 
You should be selective on who you let to be inside your social media network. I am. So not to mean if you have a friend of me and I haven't accepted that yet, I will have. I'm praying about it. <laughs> but anyhow, he says in one of his speeches, and it was in big, bold quotes, it says, you cannot, cannot fight hate with hate. Love is the only thing that can ever conquer hate. So there's a lot of people hating right now. There's a lot of Christians hating right now. But you will not conquer anything. You will only, you will only set out to say and do what others say that we're, they anticipate us doing. That aren't good, powerful Christians that have the power for God living inside them that I do. So you can either choose to, to really be upset or you can choose like Aaron Noel who sees an opportunity at a coffee, coffee shop to say, Hey, God loves me so much. This lady's in need, so I'm going to try to help her out. That's what wins. And then he walks away and is like, my God is still alive. So, but the flip side of that is the enemy will attack you. We don't know what it means to be persecuted, church. Some of you might, but the majority of you have not been persecuted to the effect of some of these Christians out there that are living their lives for the cause. And what I say is we were on vacation just, you know, being who I am. And it's just like... I'm the small group minister, pastor here, whatever you want to call it. And it's like, I feel sometimes, and, and again, I'm not, I don't want to step on your toes, but if I do in the process, God will, will heal. We've got Drew here who loves to grow out legs and different things. So if your toes are hurting at the church, please come up to the front. There'll be an opportunity for your toes to be healed. All right? I just want to preface that I might hurt you in this process, but I don't, and my intentions aren't there. I'm going from the Word of God, but we got a backup plan. Okay? If you get your feelings hurt, we can... Usually pain goes away at the mention of his name anyhow. So, I don't know where I'm going with this, but just bear with me. So, I'm in Puerto Rico, and uh, the lady that had helped us get a place there, she's just a really nice lady, who a uh, good Christian lady. And we're at her house, and she's given us a whole spread of food, and my wife said, I didn't know that was how it was. I lived in Puerto Rico for a whole year, so I knew when people invite you to the house, they invite other family members there, too. They, they kill a lot of birds with one stone and they cook. So it's like, it ain't just like, you know, in America here, sometimes we're like, hey, come on to our house. And it's like, but in Puerto Rico, they say when you come to their house, they call their other family members and friends and you all have fun. So we're there and there's this lady, her sister was there and saying, and she was talking funny. And I was like, you know, I didn't know exactly, you know, I thought it was maybe her broken English because they, it, was, it was difficult. But she said that she works at an airport and she'd become deaf in both ears from 16 years of working at an airport. And I know the goodness of God that works inside of me can work outside of me. So I said, well, but let me pray for you. And they're looking at me kind of strange. You know, a lot of people aren't used to this. But it's like, you know what? It's not me doing it. So I, I, I can't lose. It's Jesus. So I started praying for her ear and immediately God said, start snapping your fingers. So I started snapping my fingers about this close and she's like, Looking the biggest eyes ever. She's like, I can hear that. And her sister and then there's little kids playing video games. They all start to turn their heads because this is new for them. Yes. Even though they're Christian people, they're not used to people being so bold and saying, you have a need. Let me help you just like Jesus did. Yeah. I'm not doing anything different than Jesus. And Jesus says he only did what he saw the father doing. So Jesus is our example. So I will only do what Jesus did. If it's in the Bible, I'm doing it. And Jesus, when he went anywhere he went with the multitudes or whatever, he still had a message. But in the meantime of his message, there were people flocking to him because they were in need and he would take care of their needs. So why aren't we? 
So anyhow, it's like it doesn't intimidate me if somebody's deaf. I'm going to pray for them. So all of a sudden, she can hear me. She starts with her own snapping. And she's like, oh, my God, I can hear. I can hear. And so but then all, immediately, almost after that, fear struck in her of what just happened. The enemy. Because the enemy's out to kill, speak, and destroy the good works of the Father. So immediately, but I had to re reiterate to her a lot. Hey, you can. So every once in a while, she would be like, oh, I believe in God. I believe one day he'll heal me. And I was like, wait a minute. Can you hear this? And she's like, I can hear that. So it's like, it's just a, an ongoing dinner thing. It was fun. But now I come back and I got one of the worst ear infections ever. I can't hear this ear. That's how the enemy works. He's like, you know what? I might not be able to take back that healing now that's been confirmed, the seed's been planted, and it's already inside living, but I can mess with you. But I don't care. I get ear drops. I'm clear, man. I can't. I'm, I'm very cloudy, so if I don't hear you say amen, I look at you once once I'll just say it a little bit louder. <laughs> or if I'm really hurting you. So anyhow, it's that that is what wins. Jesus already won the victory. There was a song that we sing, it's like hallelujah. He has paid it all. He has won the victory. Yes, hallelujah. hallelujah. He's won it all. And yet we stand here, and I know there's been lots of Christians, and I'm not saying you specifically, the church on a whole, that are our brothers and sisters, if you think we're the only church making it to heaven, you're, you've lost your mind. If you think we're the only, like, the, we're non-denomination, so no other denomination is going to make it in, you've lost your mind. Because Jesus says, anybody that calls my name and believes and lets me enter into them shall see and be in paradise with me. But, the, but what we do here is we just see what the Father is doing. We see what Jesus is doing. And we might go after it a little bit different than other churches, but it doesn't mean that we're the only ones going to heaven. So that being said, I don't even know where I was going with that, but it is somewhere about 40 years being open. Is you guys, don't be intimidated out there as a church, as a whole, and get into fear about all these things. Here's, here's some of the funniest things. I'm going to say a couple funny things, and if you said them, don't feel bad because I just, that's why I'm here to help you, okay? Oh boy, now the calamity's coming. The earthquakes are going to get more. The, the hurricanes are going to be fiercer. You know, God's really mad now. God's not mad. To me, it looks like, to me, it looks like, you know, maybe there's people out there that wouldn't have come out and surfaced that now they will, and it gives me more opportunities to display the love of God. Well, what about when they start messing with the churches? And what about this? And what about that? Listen, it hasn't happened. Stop worrying about tomorrow and start displaying God's love today. All right, let's get to the test. Open clear. Clear as my ear. So, I always find it interesting. It's like, you know what? I always come back to this and about half of my messages is what was Jesus' instructions to us? We can get so head caught up into the word that we forget the instruction that was laid out for us by Jesus himself. Be honest, I mean, it's like it's, it's sometimes it's a double-edged sword when you get so involved in your word. And I'm not telling you not to read your Bible, but don't become headstrong and become full of head knowledge. Always remember there's a power that's working inside you that is greater than your mind. I know my word, and I still find people wanting to argue with me all the time. And then I just say, okay, let's see, what, what, what did Jesus say about that? Yes. So, in Acts, if you're a Christian, that's a good chapter to read. 
Talks about power, talks about the first church is a good example for us. Talks about when they, the power ascended upon them, that they didn't forsake meeting as a group, but they still went and broke bread house to house. That's something that we should probably think about doing more. Yeah. When we start becoming fearful that, you know what, there's power in numbers and where two or more are gathered in his name, there he shall be also. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Man, he knows his word. Yes. It lives inside me. Every time I read a different scripture, it becomes alive. I'm like, God, what are you saying here? What are you saying? So anyhow, in Acts, the first chapter, verse number 8, it says, and this is Jesus saying, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and all of Judea, Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. What does it say there? What does it say? No, what does it say that we shall become? Wait a minute, I'm missing something. Because as a young Christian, I was told to go witness. I think somebody took something out of context. I remember going with these little tracks to doors and people were like, Jesus freaks and slamming on me. <laughs> Usually I wasn't too afraid. I was with my dad. He was a big guy. Hey, dad. And he'd be like, oh yeah? <laughs> so, so anyhow... I just remember that. And anytime witness, witnessing, witness, whatever, it started with a WIT, I would freak out in church. Oh, Josh, they're calling a witnessing day. Man, I might run into some buddies or something. This is going to be awkward. You know, they don't know who I am because I'm not wearing the message in my school. This, I'm being honest. What does it say? It doesn't say go out and witness. It says you shall be witnesses. I hope this is waking some of you people up because you know what? We're making it much harder than it has to be. I've laid hands on deaf ears, and this is, you know, I've heard this said a lot of different places. You know, we follow different streams of people who are very successful in what they're doing, spreading God's love. And I've heard and talked about deaf ears open, you know, Heidi Baker and how many hundreds of people and in, in Africa that are getting their hearing back. And Aaron talking about backs, and it's like, you know, Drew, legs growing out. I saw him grow out an arm last week. And so it's like, I'd never had that happen to me, but all of a sudden it did. And I'll be honest with you, I thought it was going to be a bigger moment. <laughs> I thought, well, and then God reminded me, he's like, it's not your ears, dummy. I thought maybe I was going to hear twice as good, and you know, I was like, but, you know, playing music and putting stuff in your ears for a long time, you know, it makes your hearing do it bad. But anyhow, but it doesn't matter because God is the one doing the work. He says, but you know what? I'm giving people called free choice. I'm, you know, he saw what happened in the garden. He saw what happened in history with Noah and he flooded the earth. And he says, you know what? Enough is enough is enough enough. I'm going to have to send my son to fix all of this. I'm going to have to come down in flesh and fix the redemption of man because man can't live by rules alone. What happened last week was just a rule, people. It was just a rule. And he says that man can't live by rules alone. Yeah, we should have rules and we should still pray on these things and we should still be conscious when we're voting and all these things should come into play. But man can't live by the law alone. So I'm going to come and fulfill the law and I'm going to die for the redemption of all mankind. And we think sometimes we, we relegate the cross to just sin. But Jesus says, for every healing, it's been known to man through science that every one of his stripes heals every disease known to man. Wow. 
he says, when you receive power, we're walking around there thinking we have to witness and we don't take the power with us. And like uh, Kenny says, you get on your knees. That's where the power comes. I hope this is mine. Oh, well. <laughs> That's mine. That's what it tasted like. All right, First Peter, the third chapter. So, you know, we don't have to, like, I, I think we've, we've gotten into sometimes ourselves in a box that everywhere we go, we got to do this journey. we got to not like, oh, is there somebody I can pray for? Jesus says, you're going to become the witness. And it says in Revelation, we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, the power that was given to us the day Jesus died on the cross, and then in Acts when the power fell, and overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. All I had to do was tell that lady, listen, let me pray for you. I've seen people healed of things, and she was gladly accepting a prayer. Yes. And then I just said, I just spoke it out. I command hearing back. Command it. You can't say, Jesus, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, please. What kind of authority is that? What if I, I am the fire chief of the city of Troy, but what if I went to Troy and said, hey guys, please, 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 please. Do this, please, oh man, I'm begging you, please, and I walk away. They would think, number one, you know, what, what was that? Number two, they're like, what a, you know, we, we, this is our leader? So you're praying over people and begging God to heal them. These people are like, oh, man, I hope he does heal me, you know. But if you command it with authority, like you know what you're talking about, then the enemy recognizes the, the power and authority because there was many people in the New Testament trying to go out and heal and when they mentioned Jesus' name, the enemy fleed. But then there was people that weren't doing it with the authority. And even the demons said, hey, I know who Paul is. And I know who Timothy is. And I know who these people are. But who are you? Because yes. if you go around begging God to do what he said he's already going to do, who are you? Yeah. Be a cut above. Be a cut above mediocrity. Quit begging God to do things he said he would already do. Hey, we're going to have some toes up here today. I get this feeling. feeling. Lord, I preempt this message with prayer on feet. So in 1 Peter, the third chapter, verse 15, and I'm not going to preach super long today. Not super long. But here's the thing. This is a message. This is a scripture that really burned upon me today. Is, uh, in, and I'm choosing like four different... If you read your Bible, do so with a lot of different versions, a lot of different... Get into the concordance. Study out the contents, the precepts of what, what was going on in the Bible because if you just throw out <coughs> scriptures and don't know what you're talking about, the devil's going to make you look foolish. My grandfather, you know, awesome man of God, became blind in his, his last days that he was alive, last few years. And he told me, he's like, Matt, he's like, you know, I, as a man, I just, you know, I just can't say enough about his wisdom in God and his love for God. But when he spoke, he selected words. He didn't speak a lot, but when he did, I listened. And he says, learn your Bible because one day you might not be able to read it. So it's my challenge to you. In uh, 1 Peter 3 and 15, it says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you. Your defense sometimes is when you're praying for somebody and they're like, what gives you authority? Because I've seen it happen before. Even if you've never seen a miracle happen, all you have to say is because the Bible says so. So if you're a first-timer, raise your hand. I'm just kidding. 
If you're a first-timer, it doesn't matter because then you can just point to what the Word says and it says, you shall become witnesses to, unto me by the power when the power comes. And he says, and this is not just... He says, this ain't just for Israel. This is not just for Jerusalem. It's for all of Judea, all of Samaria, the whole earth. And then later in the scripture, it says that this power is not just for you, but it's for you and your sons and your sons' sons, your daughters, and all people. That means you. You're qualified. You are the message. But it says in 1 Peter, it says, but in your hearts, you have to honor Christ first. And I'll get to how you honor Christ in just a few minutes. But it says, for the reason of the hope that is in you. You know what the world's wanting? Especially people that are caught up in sin. And, and here's, a, here's a skinny, folks. Is there very, I'll just be honest with you right here. You are in contact with a lot more people sinning openly and have been than what just transpired this past week. You know how many people live together that are not married? Male, female? And we overlook that. I think we know that, hey, you know, yeah, we think that she could get married, but we associate with them. We talk with them. We, it's just, but then all of a sudden, like, something like this, ah, it's no different. People are people, and if they're wrapped up in the sin, they're looking for something that they can put hope into. Period. The hope that is in you, Jesus says that he is bestowed on us. When we accept him, we are accepting something much greater than we ever could be. And in the scripture it says, we have been born again. Yes. Born again. We're not who we used to be. We've put our old sin nature to death. Right. These people just have not done that yet. And it doesn't matter, straight, homosexual, whatever the case may be. If people are living and not enjoying this thing that I call Jesus Christ living inside of me, they're looking for hope and somebody that can display that proudly. I'm proud to be who I am and to have morals that guide me to know what is right and wrong. But even when I do mess up, because I still mess up, that I can ask God to say, God, you know, thank you. But you know what? Sometimes we learn more from our mistakes than we ever do just being, never making a mistake. And it says at the end of that scripture, yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's the, that's the scripture right there that I could say across America, all the churches, do so with humbleness, respect, and love. Yes. We can change this world. We really can. I look at this, you people here in this church and what awesome things we got going on here, and we can change it. Oh, we can't change anything. Yes, because Jesus already won, and he's just looking for one. The hope and the glory that's inside of you. I want to just go business on you a little bit here. Is that right? Anybody ever hear of Jack Welch? He was the CEO of GE back in 1980. I think he took over GE. And at that time, I know some of you don't care about shares and all that, but I just for a point of reference, GE at that time was about $4 a share. So Jack Welch, at that time, he says, you know, what are we doing right and what are we doing wrong? As he took over the, the CEO of GE, which is right now one of the biggest companies out there. So at that time, he had many meetings, which I can assume was probably pretty pertinent because he realized where they were. And if they didn't change something, they were going to, the, to lose it. They're going to lose the company. So he had all of his business meeting in all those meetings and the department directors, whoever that may be, and says, 
First, I want to know how many conglomerates or how many business types of models that we have and different products that we have total. And so they reported back and they said, we have 350 different businesses that are wrapped up in the GE. Does anybody like business like me? I see, I know you do. I know Bruce, we got some, we got some true business people in here. And I'm, I'm referencing this, this is gonna come back, but you have to be aware of what's going on naturally and in, in the spirit. So he says, we have 350 businesses. So then he sent them back and he says, which ones are we number one or number two at? And it came back, there was only 14 that GE was leading the nation or leading the business that they were number one or number two in the marketplace. So he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sell off all of our 345 businesses or 335. And we're going to take that money and invest it in the 14 that we have. Folks, when he retired, GE's stock was up to $80 a share. You see what he did? He says, what are we doing that is not working and we're settling for mediocrity that's bringing us down? We as a church, if we don't think outside the box and think of what's working and start capitalizing, working on that momentum and reinvesting in what we have and then focus it to the right areas, we are going to fail, fail miserably. And Jesus is going to raise somebody up behind us because he says, I'm not coming back until I get the people doing what I need them to do. And we're like, well, the end times are shining. Yes, you know, why hasn't he come back? Because we're ineffective as a Christians on a whole. We're not showing the love. Toes are hurting bad. Uh, Hebrews. Now I want to point in scripture what, you know, here's the thing is, the devil is very good. I heard Chris Valton say this this week. The devil and the enemy is very good at counterfeiting what is powerful and working in Christ. That's all he does. He, anything out there, he counterfeits. And he's counterfeited relationships to become what they are on a whole. What God instituted, and we all know this, what it says in Scripture, that a man will leave, his, and leave the cleaving of his family and enter into a relationship with a woman. We know that. We don't have to hammer it. It's natural. But what the devil has done is like, hey, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter if you get married, you don't get married. If it's the same person, same sex, it doesn't matter because you'll get what you're looking for. And he's counterfeited something that they use, everybody uses, that says love. And I love what Chris Valentin said this week, and, it, and this was before the, the whole thing came out to the Supreme Court. He's like, have you ever seen anybody counterfeit a penny? Anybody got a counterfeit penny in your pocket? Or a big sting that the Secret Service unveiled that they were counterfeiting pennies? Or dollar bills? No. Because what they're counterfeiting is going to be worth something. It's not worth their time to set up a big counterfeit operation to counterfeit pennies. The devil's doing the same thing. It's not worth his time to counterfeit something that is, that is not important to us. He's counterfeiting what's most important to God. He's trying to do it in a way and, and skew it and do all these things. And Jesus is saying, he's doing it, but you guys are more powerful. What you have is real. It's all counterfeit. So Jack Welch did this thing. He's like, what are we doing that's good? So in Scripture, I mean, go with me here. And this is the message version. So 
I love the message version. It like speaks to me just common sense. It's just like when I get up in the morning, and you, and you know what I like about the message version too? You just can't read one scripture. It puts it in form. I love it. I love it. Okay. I'm wrapping up and actually to be honest with you. So Hebrews 10.22 says, so let's do it. Nike. Let's say, what is their motto? Just do it. Real fast. Side note. I was watching football yesterday. You watch football? Yeah, I love football. So Miami University in the early early 80s was horrible. Burger King was giving out their tickets to go watch Miami play in Miami, University of Miami. Burger King was giving them out. And people still weren't coming. So they got a coach that was involved in the undefeated Miami Dolphins. They went out and recruited this coach. And you know what he did, first off? He improved upon everything that team did with methodic. He was methodical in his process. I don't know why God showed me this yesterday, but I, I know there's a purpose. And he first started with their logo of the U. He said, and they looked at different models. He started with everything because their image was bad. They stunk. Not just their team, but the, the image that everybody had of these guys, they were they stunk. Burger King couldn't even take its way, people. I mean, can you imagine Burger King going, who would go today? I bet you would be people leaving church today if the Ohio State Buckeyes said, hey, get a Whopper and you get four tickets. Because our team don't stink. They're actually awesome. So anyhow, this coach, and I forget his name, I'm so sorry. I was more involved in the process of what was going on. So he improved upon everything. He got their new uniforms, new logo on their helmets, and he started with that. He went out and he started telling people, declaring what they were going to do. And they're like, who is this guy? And he had clout because of what he had been a part of with the Miami Dolphins. Undefeated season, never happened since. So he was just, they, he had the authority to say what he was saying, but people are like, taken back. They're like, he was saying, we're going to win national championships, and not just one, we're going to win many. Read about it. They did. But he started with their image. He started with what things were working. He started with everything. And he worked that organization from a whole into where it was like four or five years, they started winning national championship after national championship after national championship. They beat Nebraska at that time. That was one of the biggest powerhouses. They didn't even score a point in the national championship game. And it started with a coach who knew he had authority. He knew if he started speaking words that people would believe him because of what he's been a part of. If we don't start changing the way we operate, we're, we're still operating as Christians from 1970, we might as well just go home. The word doesn't change, but I want to show you something in Hebrews. It says, so let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. And that's the problem. Okay, you ready? Cover your toes just for a second. You guys aren't presentable inside and out. It doesn't matter what I do when nobody's looking at me. As long as I play the part, people will never know what I'm doing behind my office doors. Nobody will know if I'm treating my wife bad. Nobody will know if I'm yelling at my kids mercifully. Nobody knows when people cut me off and I'm in my car by myself and I have hate towards that person. Nobody knows if I see something on television and it makes me mad and I just get angry. You have to be presentable inside and out. Inside and out. Are you presentable? Like, and here's the thing. I was going to wear this bright yellow thing. I forgot. I'm so sorry. I had to use it today. Uh, I was just going to throw on this thing that we wear at the fire department on all accident scenes. We're required by law to wear 
a highly visible vest. And you know what? It has our, it says Troy Fire Department on the back of it. And we walk around with that. People know exactly who we are. We wear a uniform and people know who we are. Problem with you Christians, and again, not just you, Christians on a whole, is we, we're great at wearing the message on Sunday mornings. We're great at, you know, when an opportunity, when somebody's like, oh, you're a Christian? Yeah. But we walk around there and nobody knows who you are. And it's not something you have to, you go out, you just become this witness for who God has called you to be. And I'll guarantee you today, if you went out today and just, you didn't actively seek people, but just in your normal routine, there would be probably two to three doors that would open for you an opportunity to say what you are part of. But here's, I'm going to finish the scripture. It says, presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging and loving and helping out. What did that just say? How inventive? There's not a business out there that has not reinvented themselves without, you know, the successful ones. There's been some that, you know, like when I went to D.C., they went over a bunch of companies that just just didn't reinvent themselves and faded. The ones that have been able to be successful, the ones that have been able to reinvent themselves, remarket themselves. And it's like, you know, even the ones that sell themselves, like Nike and Gatorade, they still put their message on their, their items. Why aren't you? Why aren't you putting the message of Jesus everywhere you go? Because that should, should be who you are. Nike, you cannot buy a pair of Nike shoes without saying Nike. Oh, for, we're going to put out... Wait a minute. Wait a minute, James. We're going to put that special edition shoe out. It's going to be a special edition. It's not going to have Nike on it at all. It's not going to happen. These people are not going to put out a product from them without saying what it is. I just bought me a, a used car, and I love it. It's a Jeep sitting out there. God has blessed me beyond belief. And Paul Sherry, I bought it from them. They wanted to blast their stuff all over it. The tire cover, stickers, this, that, and other. It's like, why aren't you proud to say who you are? Why aren't you proud in the workplace when an opportunity comes up and say, pray on that? You know what? I'm in government, but I still know. You know what? I first thing I did when the higher up I got, the higher I got promoted, because when I was just a firefighter, people didn't care if I prayed. Care less. Like, what are you doing over there, man? I'm praying. Oh, he's just weird. The higher up I got, people started to question what I could do and what I couldn't do. Because they, the devil starts to get worried. People get nervous when you start having authority. The enemy gets scared when you start recognizing who you are. So what I did was I went into the law books and got, you know, there's organizations out there that will defend me if I ever get in any type of government versus a state, of, state and church. I started researching what I could do and what I couldn't do and become smarter than the people that could ever question me about it. That is being offensive. Not saying, oh, well, I can't do a lot of that at work because of this or that. I know exactly what I can do and exactly what I can't do at work. And I'm very effective of saying who I am and wearing the message of Jesus Christ. I want to display something that, uh, that I have a chart here and I am wrapping up right now. Do you have that, that picture? I found something, and I, you know, I, I studied the business realm a lot because at the fire department, being the new chief, 
It's like we have to reinvent ourselves and make ourselves pertinent to the marketplace. Don't matter what you do out there, you have to be pertinent and you have to apply and be the best at whoever you are. And what you do is you research everybody that is effective. That's why God blessed me and I was able to go to Washington, D.C., be around chiefs. Like I'm good friends now with the chief from Las Vegas Fire Department who has a 1,500-member department. $52 million budget. And saying, you know, what can, what can we do at Little Troy? And I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter. Little upper room can be mega in our power because it's the same Jesus. So this week I was just kind of on uh, LinkedIn and I saw this, and Jesus spoke to me just last week, I mean, me and Amy, and we were talking about what makes us different from all of you. Not just you, but the other church people who just come on a Sunday, and it's like, you're not getting it, you're not getting it, you're not getting it. And it's like, like Aaron Noel, who had been away for a while, and he comes back and he's already got it. That if he's in the coffee shop and he sees a need, he's, he's a witness. Come on. Not that he has to have a track in this, and he's like, hey, I just want to take care of your problem. I don't want to say whether you, before I pray for you, do you know who Jesus is? He's just like, hey, let me, your back hurts, let's pray on it. God will take care of the rest. It's like, hey, what power do you have? Jesus didn't make him say, uh, you know, when he would come upon people, read your Bibles, people. He didn't say, wait a minute, you're a sinner. And, and even the lady that was accused of adultery comes out to him. And they were getting ready to stone her. I don't know if you know in the Bible exactly what stoning means. And they still do it over in the Middle East. They bury you up to your waist. And they throw little sized rocks at you and to get you to bleed out, they hit you in your chest. Want to talk persecution? Right. Know what's going on, people. Right. When you hear stoning in the Bible, that's what they did. They would bury him up to the waist because they wanted them to die a brutal death. And then they wouldn't pick rocks big enough to knock them out. And they would discourage hitting them in the head and just go for the chest because eventually they would bleed out and drown on their own blood. You're pretty graphic. Well, yeah, I have to be. So there was a lady that, and that was her punishment. So Jesus goes, she's buried up to her waist, and they were getting ready to stone her. Wait a minute. After he started writing down with all the other Pharisees and, and different people, he started writing in his stands. You know, sometimes our Bible is just not graphic enough, but Jesus is hoping that you'll research this. It's still what's going on in the Bible days is still going on. So he's, he's writing down in the sand the different things of the other sins of the people. Right. Eventually, they drop their rocks and they walk away. And Jesus, you know, it doesn't say he lifted her up. He started talking with her. And he listened. He had to dig her out of that. Do you realize that? That Jesus had to dig her out. She couldn't dig herself out. And while he's doing it, I don't think he's peppering her with, you know, you got to stop doing this, Susie. You know, I, you know, according to them, it's like your fifth time. You were caught in the act. He displayed such genuine love for her. And he just says, go and sin no more. And then the lady at the well, similar story, similar representation of Jesus who, who just commonly displayed the love because he saw his father and the love that his father had for him. And displaying this love that love conquers all and love wins. But this is an interesting chart. And what is in the center is this is saying it's the 2% mindset. And I'm ending on this. What's happened is 98% of most churches out there are right in the center. Right in the center. And this is, this is in the business world, people. This was not a Christian graphic chart at all. 
But when I saw it, God said, this is exactly what's going on with my church. I need more people to jump out of their comfort zone and join you and the others that are the 2% that cut above. So you start looking at this. The people who are not who are inside of that are just getting by. It's a dull life. They're living out of fear, being like everybody else, insecure, living with regret, procrastinating, settling for less. That's why you're like, what makes you different today that you don't care about what's going on out there? Because I don't live out of fear. I don't settle for less. And in fact, I act in spite of fear. I live from abundance. I'm living without limits. I like change and I'm excited. I challenge you today to say, are you in the 98% or do you want to be in the 2% and make a change in this life? Because the Bible in Hebrew says we have to become inventive. But churches have just, just settled and said it's worked for this long and the word stands for itself. The word doesn't change. The methods have to. Do you want to be choosing happiness and exploring new things with confidence and going for your dreams? I want to end right here. There's, and this is where you know I, I feel... This is a word of prophecy. Thus saith the Lord, your toes are really going to hurt. My brother is a two percenter. Pastor Aaron. He is a two percenter and he's trying to take you out of that 98% and you are kicking and screaming. Kicking and screaming. God has not only said, hey, you're my 2%, but he has bestowed upon Aaron a coat of many colors. He has favor that I recognized about five, six years ago when I said, I'm not the one to become the senior pastor of that church. Even though by probably by, by being the oldest son, I had a right. But I saw what was going on. And I saw that my brother had a favor that God bestowed upon him and said, he's the one. And that's why I go to my brother humble and say, you know, I'll be whatever position you need me to be because I see the favor. And I know of your favor that eventually Joseph got around to his brothers and bestowed back to them. I'm not jealous. I don't want to throw him in a pit. I want to be his biggest supporter, his biggest fighter. But yet you guys... Say this here. I've been told not to point by anybody. You guys, have you ever seen Aaron up here? Ted talks. He's he's living. Said I can't point. I'm not gonna point. So you guys, be inviting. Aaron's went over this with me. He's like Matt. He's like I saw you preaching, and he says, and, and me and Jerry we watched you, and you were really, you know, it's like if you ever watch Ted talks, and the guy's like, if there's a fire. You have an exit over here, and you have an exit over here. People are not going to take it. It's really inviting, but if you're like, there's a fire, you will want to go out this way. And everybody's like, yeah, I want to go that way. It's out of fear. But Aaron's like, you are doing that a lot. So it's like, here, I'm being caught, and I'm, I'm abiding. He has favor, and the people, what he's seeing is he's seeing how can we become more of a Hebrews church and become more inventive with what we do. And he has done nothing other than sought out people who are doing this. Leif Hetland has won more than a million people to God who were Muslims. 
You talk about Pakistan. I read a book about Pakistan. It was crazy what they were doing and still doing in Afghanistan, supporting Afghanistan. And yet we got a guy who Aaron has favor with, who calls himself his spiritual father to our pastor, and he comes here, and we got to beg you to come out to those services. But you're all riled up right now. But if we said Leif is going to be here tonight, there would be 30% of you who would show up. Shame on you. Kevin Devin. He's thinking outside of the box. He thinks outside of the box and says, we got to be more creative with us if we're really going to win the world. Yes. And he comes and 30% of you will show up. Rah, rah, we like this, Matt. We like you saying 2%. Well, do it. I love you. But I'm trying to challenge you to get out of that 98%. Be comfortable. Because you'll always be mediocre if you're comfortable. If you want to be the elite and you want to be somebody who can make a difference, you're going to have to become uncomfortable. You're going to have to accept change and know that my brother's heart is pure, but he's going after people where they're going beyond us and they're doing this. You guys are a favorite church and you don't even, sometimes I don't even think you know it by what you post on social media. When you realize when you post something on social media, you're wearing the message of somebody who says you're a Christian. Are you being it inside and out? Because Jesus says, you can, you can be my witness, but you're going to be my witness inside and out. Nike's not going to put their stamp on something. They got things called quality assurance. They got people who actually look at the end of the line and they pluck out the ones that are bad. All day long. No matter what business that makes anything and manufactures anything, there's a thing in, in the wall. And I think you're a big part of quality assurance for Honeywell. And there's people that actually pick out the bat. And I just say to you today, I challenge you, what are you at the end of the assembly line with wearing the message of Jesus Christ? Are you fitting for the title of Savior, the I Am, the Great I Am, the Jehovah Rapha? Do you carry the message inside and out? Because when you start grabbing that and saying, I want to devote more of my time, I want to end with one scripture. Stand up with me. I'm going to pray over you guys like you've never been prayed on. I, I just, I'm glad you're standing because that tells me your toes are still alive. I, I do this out of love, people, but I only do what the Father says and what He's given me. In Matthew 6, chapter 6, it says, Do not lay for yourselves treasure on the earth where moth and rust destroy it, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys it, where thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Do you realize in context what the treasures are? The treasures are these homosexuals. Because God's people are His treasure. God doesn't sometimes, you know, I got this new vehicle. It's not the treasure for God. It's not something I want to lay up into heaven. His treasures are His people, and you're the ones that's laying them up for Him. Yes. He can't do this without you. Yes. He needs you. He needs you to get out of that circle of the 98% of being comfortable and say, you know what? There's nothing comfortable about being mediocre. Everything, and this is just, God showed me that, you know, I was like, well, why am I so different? Because He says, you've always lived on the edge. You like excitement. And therefore, you're willing to go out on a limb for me. Yes. So close your eyes.
Lord, I just pray right now. I just speak over this church, Lord, that they can become the 2%. Even those ones that are seeking a new relationship with You, Jesus. Those are the easiest ones that didn't know You at all and all of a sudden come into You. They want to live on the edge because they feel something different with You than they've ever felt before. Lord, I say for this church and this congregation, me included, all these things that I've come to just accept and just say, this is who I am, that it changes today. Even me, Lord, You take me from to know that when I walk on the water, You will be there. And if I keep my eyes on you, I can go and I will be, I, the only person that can limit myself is me. And Lord, I just pray for this congregation right now that they are wearing the message and that they've come through the assembly line right now, Lord Jesus. I commit and I challenge every person here today to say, are you inside and out the message of Jesus Christ, who has nothing but love for all of his treasures, which are people? And Lord, to know that we have offensive battles where we can lift up our praise, we can get on our knees, we can fast, but Lord, that we don't walk away and we become so comfortable with our lives that we, we relegate different days of the week that we're not fully living for you and making poor decisions and choices, but we honor you with our treasures on this earth, which is our time, talent, and our money. Lord, and I just end this prayer with what C.S. Lewis says, the only way you can truly give is when it hurts. The only way you can truly give your time, your treasures, your talents, your money is when it goes beyond what you have. And it's a sacrifice because it's through that sacrifice that we learn what faith is, the substance of things hoped for, but the things not seen. And Lord, I just pray that over this congregation in Jesus' name.